Welcome to Mandatory Reshoots, the podcast where we discuss movies. I'm Connor Dempsey, broadcasting from America's damp left shoulder, Seattle, Washington. Today I have a special guest joining me from the East Coast. Coming at us from Providence, Rhode Island, you know him as the Baron of Beacon Hill, noted jerk, and the man <laughs> who once finished runner-up for Charlie of the Year to his friend Jay, Charlie Blowers. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I just want to say Jay deserved that win that year. He he beat me out fair and square. That's that's good to hear. This is a special episode of sorts for the podcast. We're doing our first retro review where we will set out to answer one of cinema's greatest mysteries. Is Tremors a great movie or the greatest movie? And uh, hopefully today we'll be able to answer that. But before we get into that, I know you're saying at home, what qualifies you two jerks to review Tremors? Well, I'm glad you asked. At one point in time, I could make the claim of being the world's foremost expert on Tremors 2 Aftershocks after winning ABC's very competitive Tremors 2 contest. Not a claim many adults could make or would make if they wanted to secure a well-paying job. And I know you're saying, what are Charlie's credentials? Well... He once sat through all of the Jamie Kennedy starring Tremors 5 Bloodlines with me. So right there, that should be enough. But if you need more convincing, he's also the star of over 20 high-concept Charlie concept movies, including Cryoball, Charlie House Down, Third Flight Out, and Escape from Lunar Alcatraz. So really, that should put any lingering doubts to rest. Tremors as we all know, was released January 19th, 1990, and it was directed by Ron Underwood, who would go on to direct City Slickers, Mighty Joe Young, and unfortunately Pluto Nash, which kind of derailed his career, but we appreciate the effort all the same. Tremors stars Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Finn Carter, Michael Gross, Reba McIntyre, Ariana Richards, and Victor Wong. And the synopsis provided by IMDb is natives of a small, isolated town defend themselves against strange underground creatures, which is a fairly good synopsis for Tremors, I would say. Uh, Just some quick notes before we hop in. Tremors was budgeted at $11 million and grossed a modest $18 million at the box office, but it became a hit on home video where it tripled its box office gross and went on to be a cult hit of sorts. Uh, The success of Tremors eventually spawned five sequels, including May 2018's upcoming Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, and two TV shows. One of two is Sci-Fi Channel's rumored Kevin Bacon Tremors reboot, which we still have not seen, but supposedly is on the horizon. Although he has since come around on the movie, at one point Kevin Bacon considered Tremors to be the low point of his career. He said that he broke down and fell to the sidewalk, screaming to his pregnant wife, I can't believe I'm doing a movie about underground worms. It's really... Sad to hear that, but it's nice to hear that he's come around on Tremors, which is arguably his finest cinematic moment, if we're being honest. Okay, we're going to play a quick clip from Tremors, and then we're going to dive into our Tremors review. Here's the plan. We don't even stop. We ride like hell. Tonight, we'll keep right on going. We'll walk the horses. That is the plan. I mean, God damn. What the hell are those things? How could they bury a whole station wagon? Why would they do it? Come on, come on, get, get! Walter wouldn't know a decent horse. He must have bit him in the ass. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They got wind of something they don't like. Yeah. What's going on here? I don't see anything. Anywhere! Ah! 
how they get you. They're under the goddamn ground. What the hell are they? Sons bitches. All right, we're back. So, Charlie, what are your thoughts on Tremors? Well, I feel Tremors is unfortunate in a way where it gets put into a hokey monster movie almost, uh-huh. which is it a disservice because it's overall a fantastic movie. I've been watching it probably since I was nine or ten years old, and I've never crossed a time where I did not enjoy watching it. And actually, I feel like it's better every time you watch it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like a fine wine. It ages nicely. Also with it, when you read, when you try to tell somebody about it and you give it the plot, a normal person would probably hear it and go, well, that kind of sounds stupid, but they're wrong. They yes. would have to watch the movie. And I would be hard-pressed to find anybody who I know who does not like this movie. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's cynical enough to hate Tremors. Maybe they're out there, but I have not encountered these people, mostly because I don't want them in my life. It would be hard to have a friend of a long time and you find out they don't like Tremors. And not only do they not like it, but just like hate it, because it would really alter your opinion on the person. It would just be a strange thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a friendship breaker for sure. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think Tremors has also been one of my longtime favorites, not only for B-movies and creature features, but just for movies all time. And I think it holds up exceptionally well for a movie made in the early 90s. I think Jurassic Park and Jaws are often cited as near-perfect creature features, and I would agree, those those are great. But I would also put Tremors in the conversation as a smaller-scale candidate. I mean, the only blemish on this movie that I'm willing to admit is that one really bad rear projection shot in the Gummer's basement where the Tremors first Oh, burst yeah, through. I noticed last night. Yeah, that's, that's really the only bad shot in the movie, like the only dated shot, because the rest of the movie is kind of a perfect blend of miniatures and animatronics. I don't think they were using CG at the time. Some reverse photography, and, and it holds up really well, much like the original Star Wars where the use of miniatures aged better than some of the rear projection shots of the 80s and 90s. So I I think that's a huge reason it works today. Well, it also takes that aspect of Jaws where you don't really see the shark for a while. And they kind of almost do this, like a similar camera shot where, I think it was when he was going after the doctor. Yeah. Where it's just the camera going over the ground. You don't see, like, you don't really see the actual graboid until probably like halfway through the movie uh it's a half an hour in i tracked it because i also was following that aspect where they're using the jaws approach and it's nice because for the first half an hour you do see the graboid tentacles the snakes yeah and you're kind of just like oh this is what it is right and then it's a nice twist when it pops out and you're like oh jesus it's like this full-on thing so yeah, I, I think the Jaws approach certainly was beneficial to the movie, and that I'm sure that was part budgetary reasons in terms of they didn't have a lot of money to do shots like that, but it still is a, a pro for the movie in terms of not showing the monster much, especially early on. Yeah, and like it, with the and also with the way they did the small town, like where I grew up, it wasn't like that isolated, but you go through some pretty small towns by where I grew up, and I feel they really like nailed like how life is there where it's like it's really not much going on yeah like walter's general store there like yeah people hang out there because 
where else do they go to hang out? Everybody's at least civil with each other. There's no real animosity. Yeah. They're just friends because who else can you really be friends with? Yeah. But yeah. I, I just feel the movie really like hit that aspect of their life like perfectly. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me to hear you talk about your small town roots because I've always regarded you as a bit of a Melvin type uh, myself, <laughs> the annoying kid who won't stop throwing basketballs at people. But you know what, Charlie? I, I think that's an excellent point. And that's something I noticed this time through about why I think the movie was so great. There are almost no human antagonists in this movie. And that's rare for a monster movie or a disaster movie. And that there's always like someone who's kind of sleazy or like a full-on antagonistic force. And Tremors doesn't have that. Everyone tries to help each other out. Uh, yeah. Melvin is the closest to a coward, but he's a kid. So it's like very <laughs> excusable. So it it's really makes that group endearing because they do legitimately want to help each other and they try to. And even in that horrific scene where Chang is being eaten in his general store, everyone's trying to help him. It's not like everyone just like runs off and lets Chang die horribly. They're, they're yeah. doing their best. And like the only time there's any sort of real friction is really just friction based on the situation. Yeah. The like, in, when... Yeah. The dramatic infighting makes complete sense to me that, I mean, that doesn't destroy the group dynamic for me when like Bert and Val are fighting. Cause it's like, that makes complete sense to me. They yeah, still like, have each other's yeah. best interest in mind. Every time I watch the movie and again, when I watched it last night when Walter is being eaten by the graboid and people are trying to help him if that was me, the second that he gets me, I'm not coming back from that mentally. So just let me go. <laughs> I, it's a very, <laughs> I guess that's a, an approach well, like, to it for sure. Well, if you're, so, halfway in the, if you're halfway in and they somehow get you out, uh, like I'm pretty much useless the rest of the day. All right, well, you I'm still got to get gonna, out of the town. I'm going to use this quote later for when I <laughs> abandon you someday on, on a hike or something. And I'll be like, well, well that I have was on tape anyway. that he said, just let him go. And it's like, well, he sprained his ankle. He's like, ah, it's too far gone. Too far gone. <laughs> Had to leave. <laughs> well, that was always probably what was going to happen anyway. So, yeah, well, I, I guess I understand that that mindset. But honestly, like if I had the choice of being pulled out and dying, you know, on, on the general store floor, I'd still take that over being ingested by a subterranean monster but maybe that's just me yeah well if you think about it he probably was gonna get eaten anyway because they're coming up through the floor even Man, if they pulled him out you really just didn't want to see chang live did you but hey you know i love he's, he's great, great in pretty much every movie he's in yeah big trouble in little china especially yeah so i harbor no ill will towards him at all fair enough fair enough yeah uh well let's touch on some other things that uh make Tremors, such a great film. I think the screenplay, we've talked a little bit about the visuals and why their kind of bag of tricks holds up well. But I think the screenplay itself is actually really good. It's a tight screenplay structurally. It has a lot of breadcrumbs that sets up future events in terms of like Walter's general store when they have the refrigerator kind of vibrate early on in the movie. That sets up the moment later where it vibrates and draws the Tremors and unfortunately gets Walter killed. There's just nice little dialogue cues that kind of show a bit of foresight when the doctor and his wife are working on their um on their future house and he sits down and says i'm dead it's kind of a nice yeah. setup for moments later where he's killed that it kind of reminds me of edgar wright dialogue where you know he, he'll have a throwaway line that comes back you know like an hour later even though i'm dead is is not that subtle or clever but it's still a nice yeah. touch i feel like so yeah the screenplay's great lots of nice banter 
the characters are quickly established and defined as likable individuals, which is huge. Yeah, every character had an idea that they use to get out of the town. Like even Miguel, who was on the roof with them, came up with a lawnmower idea. And you feel like in most movies, it's either going to be Kevin Bacon who comes up with the idea or Rhonda comes up with the idea. Right. And then pretty much everybody contributes to get out of the town. Yeah. No, no dead weight in terms of innovation or, or planning. That's a good point. It, it really kind of rounds the characters out and defines them, which is rare because the quickest way to derail a movie like this is to give us an unlikable cast or an unlikable set of characters, which monster movies often do. I think monster movies often think people want to see characters die horrifically, which may or may not be true, but I don't think to the extent where you want a cast of completely unlikable characters who are just picked off one by one. I, th- I think if you're going to have some antagonists in it, you want to do... Something like Aliens, where you have a generally likable cast with the exception of Paul Reiser's character, who's a straight villain in it. And then when he gets his comeuppance, it's satisfying. But the rest of the characters you more or less want to see survive in in a movie like Aliens. Yeah, I mean, people die in this movie, but not a lot. I believe five. Like, other than Alter... Yeah, like other than Walter, nobody who's really like an actual character in the movie really dies. Well, I mean, like I said, with the doctor and his wife. Yeah, the doctor's um, wife, Edgar Deems, uh, who dies of dehydration. You never meet, but you can tell that he's still part of the town dynamic because yeah. Val and Earl recognize him almost immediately when they're driving by. And there's yeah. one other. Oh, Nestor. Nestor's the only other one to die. Who is the guy who tries he to was hide probably- in the? tire yeah that's a poor choice but again who knows where i would have went to but well, you yeah definitely would have gone to the tire let's be honest <laughs> um, yeah well, i, I mean, have a question most about, likely. about nestor I, he's maybe the only character who i don't understand his place in the town is he yeah, the dad he... of melvin is he the husband to the one woman whose name escapes me whose daughter is the jurassic park girl ariana richards i can't really tell what his place in the town yeah, is, other than Melvin's reaction to him dying, seems like it might be his dad. Well, like he also could have just been horrified that he was eaten by an underground giant worm. This but, is true. Yeah, I feel he's the only person who really, you didn't know what he was about. Other than, what was the line when uh, Ron is talking about how these creatures have probably never been discovered, and he's like, so where did they come from? Because like he just doesn't grasp the situation, like the situation at all. So but I feel that was say, really his only his line. Defining trait is being the town idiot, essentially. Yeah, but you know what's kind of cool about the movie? Like when it starts, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's character are treated though probably the worst in the town. But throughout the movie, it's like, oh, these are smart guys. Like even Fred Ward comes up with the idea to throw the dynamite out and like pull it back. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I appreciate that about the characters being fairly well-written and fairly good-natured, which is, again, rare for a movie like this. One of the good scenes was in the basement, too, when they're shooting at the Graboid, and you think they're running out of bullets, and you turn around, they just have a giant wall of guns. Oh, that's such a good <laughs> visual gag, because they're shooting, and then they pan, and you're just like, what a good setup and payoff. <laughs> Any shot like that, there, there's a couple good ones I've seen recently, uh, not to circle back to Edgar Wright, but he does it well, where it'll be two individuals talking, and you only see the two individuals talk, and they're talking about a certain character in, a, in an ill 
ill manner and then they kind of cut to a wide shot and that character is like sitting right next to them and they're like <laughs> it's not that we don't like you and it's just like such a good gag and this was kind yeah. of the version of that where it's like oh man i don't know if they'll have enough bullets and then they just pan and it's like jeez man <laughs> yeah just like everything visually about it when they keep trying to leave the town just like even just them driving down the road and like looking at the landscape it's just like just everything about it works yeah like you just feel like there's nothing around so when you're like when they're like oh we need to get to the mountain we need to get to oh what was it i forgot the name of the town they kept trying to get to oh bigsby yeah it's just like looking at it because they set up through the whole movie. It's like, oh yeah, like that's they're not getting there. Well, they, whereas like if they don't set it up. It's like, oh, well, how far could it really be? I think at one point they say nine miles, but that seems like a long nine miles because you, as you said, look in every direction, and it seems like there's a lot of geographical isolation. It just looks yeah. desolate. So that's why, like throughout the when they're trying to escape the town, it's not like, oh well, nine miles they can make it. It's like, oh, they have to cross that whole plane where these things just run amok. So yeah, the, yeah, ten- the tension is believable. It's a, not a realistic scenario, but a, a believable one in terms of where the tension is derived from. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think there's really a blemish on tremors outside of that one shot. It's, it's got good dialogue characters, uh, visual effects, the tensions there uh, in a, what is, you know, often, as you said, dismissed, as kind of a goofy movie, there's still a lot of suspense because you like the characters and therefore you don't want to see them die. And they actually have a lot of good tense moments as a result. Any other last thoughts on Tremors? Anything we haven't covered? Any any lines? Personal favorites? Anything? Uh, favorite lines? Obviously, Kevin Bacon's fuck you to the Tremor is probably yeah. the best line. Yeah, you know what? I really like that line. My favorite exchange between Bert and Fred Ward is when he says... What is that? And Bert says, cannon fuse. And then uh, Fred Bird says, what do you use that for? And then Bert's like, my cannon. And it's just like, that's a pretty good line. I don't know why I never really noticed that line before, but this time through, I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good line. I, I like that line. Yeah. Um, any interaction between the two of them is great. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon describing his perfect woman was a little odd. Yeah, that intro might not have aged well, admittedly. But you know what? It's not great, but I I like that Kevin Bacon kind of comes around by the end of the movie, and he's like, someone with some intelligence is maybe the type of woman I I need to seek out. Well, I think he realizes he's a lot smarter than he gives himself credit for at the end, too, so it's a good... That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fallon Earl, smarter than you would think. They outsmarted the Tremors, which... I guess that's another nice thing we didn't talk about is that the Tremors themselves as the antagonists of the movie are really good because they themselves adapt and get smarter and start kind of adapting to the scenarios, therefore kind of raising the stakes when they start ripping out the houses from under them. Otherwise, you have some scenarios where it's like, why wouldn't you just, you know, hang out on top of the roof for a couple of days, etc. They they really find ways to get smarter and raise the stakes. Yeah, pretty much the whole movie is one side doing something and the other side reacting to it. Yeah, it's pretty much throughout the whole movie is either side trying to get the best of the other one, but getting smarter each time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a nice setup for for the movie. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and give our letter grades for Tremors, you know, school grades, A, B, C, D, etc. Why don't you go first, Charlie? What, What would you give Tremors? 
I would give it an A minus. Oh wow! Uh, okay. After all this praise, you heaped a lot of praise on it and came up with an A minus. So maybe elaborate a little bit. Um, the Michael Gross scene with the basement is pretty much the only glaring thing. Uh huh. Um, I feel since it wasn't, it's an amazing movie, but it's not a perfect movie, so you can't give it an A plus. Um, how many perfect movies? Out there, do you think there are? Just out of curiosity, name, name you, a perfect movie. I, I think Jaws is perfect. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is perfect. Yeah, I, I would same, agree. I kind of feel it's the same way with this, where every character is amazing. Yeah. Um. Even well, I guess you have the lawyer who's a scumbag, but they give him. You know why he's a scumbag? Yeah, and it's, he's, like, it's like some sleazy lawyer. It's just like, but even he's kind. He's impressed with the whole thing. Yeah, and and the two people who pass as human antagonists in Jurassic Park and Nedry and the lawyer still, you understand their motivations. Uh, the lawyer's a coward and Nedry is just greedy, but none of them do anything that's unforgivable. I mean, leaving the kids is, is bad, but you understand he's just he afraid. Was well, Nedry did disable all the... Um... Right, but I, <laughs> I don't think he knew that it would it wreak the havoc that it, it did. He just wanted to get away with the money. It's because it, it's argued that he wants to deliver it and come back, right? So in his mind, yeah, he was just gonna go do that, come back and then say, oh, the system whatever malfunctioned. So I don't I don't think he wanted to get anyone killed. Not to get too heavy on Jurassic Park, but if I turn the security system off, I am not going out where there's dinosaurs. Well he died so, for it. So yeah know, the lesson is there. Um, yeah. but I, I think those two characters are, are, are still very watchable compared to something like the Poseidon adventure where the protagonists in that movie kill some, some people in cold blood to ensure their own, own survival. And then we're supposed to like them after that. And it's just like, what? It's like, I don't like these people at all. Minus Kurt Russell, who then dies quickly after too. Yeah. So I'll agree with you. Jaws and Jurassic Park are pretty much perfect movies. My grades. Um, for Tremors, though, is an A+, because I consider it to be a perfect movie, blemishes and all. It's one of my favorites. It's easily top five movies of all time for me, and I'm willing to overlook its hiccups. Well, also, another other reason why it's an A- is it's not like a movie you could recommend to anybody. Well, not that I would talk to everybody on the street, but... Um, <laughs> I think you would. Yeah, well, I'm a very personable person. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like it's not a movie you could just rec- like recommend to anyone. I, I recommend, I it, recommend it. Who, I recommend it to recommend, anyone who will talk to me. I recommend it to anybody who I am friends with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't. Because you've already be established like, they're weirdos if they're friends with. Yeah, you. like I wouldn't be like, oh, you should really watch Tremors. It's really not a knock on the movie as just the overall idea of it. What do you mean? Just like it's again, a clever, it's a like, clever concept. I, I'm I'm at a loss oh, for words. It's a concept, but it's like oh, there's just big worms that go after a small town. Oh, so you're saying it's B movie status makes it a mildly embarrassing recommendation if you're like on a first date. Disagree. Yeah, could, well, I feel once they watch it, they would like it. But it's just like yeah, it's a hard sell to somebody who wouldn't necessarily be into that style of movie disagree well, especially <laughs> well, i assume everyone out there likes or could like tremors um they have the capability to like it and if they don't then i don't want to talk to them yeah i loved it then i love it now 
Yeah, you love it so much you gave it an A minus. You're a fraud. <laughs> Get out of this podcast. <laughs> You're a fraud. <laughs> uh all right, Charlie. That uh should wrap up our Tremors retro review. Touched on a lot of nice points. And uh it's time. It's that time, everyone. It's trivia time. Charlie's gonna do his first trivia challenge, known as the Charlie Challenge. Uh there's gonna be some Tremors questions. There's gonna be some other questions. We'll see how he does. All right, Charlie, since this is your first time, I'll read off the question, then you'll have 20 seconds to answer. If it's a needlessly verbose or wordy question or like a list question, you can have 30 seconds. But more or less, we're, we're looking for an answer somewhere in between 20 and 30 seconds, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I, under, I understand. All right, you understand the concept of incremental time. That's good. I, if I you do. I, yeah. I think you should I seek barely. medical help like now. <laughs> Should leave, just leave this podcast. All right, Charlie, are you ready for the Charlie Challenge? Lay it on me. All right, question one. And question one is an over under question. All right, over under you lasting 45 minutes if you were a character in Tremors? Well, it depends on the situation, but I would say under. Okay. Question two What actor or actress has appeared in the most Tremors movies? Michael Gross. Okay. Question three In Tremors, what is the total population of Perfection Nevada? Uh, 14, I think it was. Okay. Question four. What does Bert and Heather Gummer's personalized license plate say? Ha, <laughs> Uzi for you. Okay. Question five. Uh, we have another over-under question. Over-under on the combined budgets of Jaws, Jurassic Park, and Tremors being $100 million. So over and under, over or under $100 million. Shoot. I feel Jurassic Park would be the only one that would be huge. I would probably say under. Okay. Question six. How many Tom Janes would it take to protect the president in a White House terrorist attack movie? <laughs> um, I don't. I haven't seen the movie you're referencing, but there, I would say... There is no movie. The hypothetical oh. movie. Oh, gee. Um... Well, probably just one because he was the Punisher. Okay. Question seven. In the movie Con Air, what crime is Nicolas Cage's character Cameron Poe sent to prison for? Um, you could say murder, but it could also be being a human weapon because he was in the armed services. Okay. Question eight. Have Tom Jane and Nicolas Cage ever been in a movie together? If so, name it. If not, give that movie a title. So if they haven't been... Give me a potential title for their Holy Union uh, team-up. I don't think they've been in a movie together, okay. so I'll say no. Give me a name, then. Oh, man. I can't even think of it. It would be too ridiculous. I'm. That's the point. I... <laughs> I'll give you another 10 seconds to rifle something off. Uh, I got nothing. There's right, so much right. that comes into my head. All right. <laughs> Uh, question nine. Within three movie deaths, how many sh- movies has Sean Bean died in? So you could be plus or minus three on this. Say probably. Nine? Nine movies? Yeah. Okay. Question ten. Although Sean Bean has a reputation for cinematic deaths, he does not hold the record for most on-screen deaths. This belongs to another actor who has appeared in Alien, 
Harry Potter, Contact, and Hellboy. Name this actor. Uh, what is that? Ron not in. It's it's not Ron Perlman. I'll tell you. Yeah, I keep. Oh man. Oh, I can't think of somebody who was in all those movies. Okay, all right, fair enough. That closes out the trivia round. Let's go back and see how you did. All right, Charlie, how, how do you feel you did? I'm just curious. I feel I definitely missed two. I missed the, one the last one. Answers for. And I don't feel confident about the Sean Bean one. Yeah, I'm going to kind of spoil that one. You were way off, man. You really undersold how much he died. I was going to say 15. Still I thought been, that was too, Still would have been under. Really? Yeah, I'll give you the answer when we get there. But yeah, you were you undersold his death for I sure. I feel like it was one of those trick things where he really didn't die all that much, but just in everything I've seen him in. No, no, he dies that much. But Die. you'll be surprised to hear who's tops and how many deaths they have. All right. Uh, question one, the over under you lasting 45 minutes if you were a character. Oh, I know the answer to the who dies the most. Goddamn. Uh, all right. You know what? I'll allow you to give an answer before we give that. Uh, submit an answer now. Uh, what's his name? Uh, William Hurt? Okay. That's your answer. It's wrong. You, you got half of it right. You got the wrong Hurt, but close. Oh, it's, damn it. It's... William Hurt's your favorite actor. Yeah, it's the Brohean guy. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's not my favorite actor. It's it's your favorite actor. All right, question one. Over or under you lasting 45 minutes if you were a character in Tremors? You said under, correct? Yeah, well, I'm basing it on what you think of me. Yeah, absolutely. You were correct. Uh, I had you as under. I penciled you in for 26 minutes. Your death was, strangely enough, unrelated to the Tremors. A player... <laughs> A player piano falls on you as you introduce yourself as the new town doctor to the citizens of perfection. So right after the old doctor dies, you come to town and a, and a player piano falls on you. So 26 minutes under. You were correct. Uh, one for that one. That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, it's accurate. Uh, question two. What actor or actress has appeared in the most Tremors movies? You said Michael Gross. You were correct. This was kind of a softball as long as you remember Michael Gross's name. But yeah, uh, Michael Gross has appeared in all six Tremors movies, including Tremors 6, A Cold Day in Hell, which comes out in May. No one's even close to him. I think a couple actors are tied for two. But uh, yeah, Michael Gross is running away with that. Uh, that is Jamie Kennedy me. in the next one? Yeah, so Jamie Kennedy will be in two. Fred Ward will have been in two. Ariana Richards returned for one of them. Uh, the guys who played Miguel and um, Melvin came back for one one of the sequels so they also have two under their belt but i don't think anyone's got three to my knowledge yeah question three what is the population of perfection you said 14 you were correct charlie you got it Ooh. the population of of perfection's 14 that's edgar old fred nancy mindy miguel melvin walter chang val earl bert heather nestor the doctor and his wife by the end of the movie, the Tremors have unfortunately trimmed down Perfection's population to single digits at nine. Yeah, that's not too bad of a casualty list. You heartless bastard. <laughs> Five people died. Question four. What does Burton Heather Gummer's personalized license plate say? You said Uzi for you. You were correct. It says Uzi for you. The bumper sticker on the front reads Free Afghanistan, which is interesting. Question five, over under on the combined budgets of Jaws, Jurassic Park, and Tremors being $100 million. You said under, 
you were actually correct. You were talking yourself into over and somehow went under. So good call on that. Well, but, I just think Jurassic Park was probably the only one that had a massive budget. Right. But and, you didn't, well, you didn't Jaws would have, but it was in the seventies, which trims it down. You were right. Under a hundred million dollars. The combined budgets of the three movies was only eighty-one million dollars. Jurassic Park sixty-three million dollars. Jaws was seven million dollars because oh, wow. it made it in the seventies. And Tremors was only $11 million. So the fact that those three movies only cost $81 million really puts modern blockbusters to shame because those three movies are classics and they were made on micro budgets compared to today's blockbusters. Yeah. Question six. How many Tom Janes would it take to protect the president in a White House terrorist attack movie? You said one. It's unfortunately a trick question. In this scenario, Tom Jane is president. And he doesn't need any protection from anyone other than himself. <laughs> Good effort. It, it's almost the right answer. But Tom Jane being the president was the answer we were looking for. I would vote for Tom Jane for president. Yeah, who wouldn't? Question seven. In Con Air, what crime does Nicolas Cage's character commit? You said murder, and he's sent away for being uh, a lethal weapon. You were correct. The actual wording is that he's convicted of manslaughter after killing a uh. drunken man who tried to attack his pregnant wife, Trisha, and he's in prison for 10 years for that crime. I have to admit, one of my favorite pastimes was randomly telling the plot of Nicolas Cage movies to you like they were my firsthand experiences and seeing how long it would take for you to catch on. And I remember telling you, uh, you were telling me about a bar fight that you witnessed, and I countered and told you a story about a friend of mine who was in the military and got in a fight outside a bar. It was raining that night, and this guy was attacking his pregnant wife so he punched the guy's <laughs> nose into his brain and killed him. And even though it was self-defense, the judge sent him to prison because he considered him a lethal weapon. And I think it was at that point you finally realized I was telling you the plot of Con Air and you got so mad. I think you just yelled at me and just walked off. And it, it was a really fulfilling moment for me. <laughs> it is still bizarre that he was sent to prison for attacking the man who was trying to assault his pregnant wife. Oh, it's clearly self-defense. It's it's yeah. insane that he serves time for that. Like, yeah, like you figured at most, like probation maybe for the actual like killing him. Yeah, but yeah. What's it? He's the judge is like, if you were in the military, so now be- not bound to a normal person's rules. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? what it's like, where did you get this like, judge from? <laughs> yeah, it's like wouldn't that deter people from going into the military? Yeah, I don't think... They thought when you come back, probation. though, like, you can't really mess up, like... Well, what they should have done is put him on probation, as you said, but then also add, like, this little asterisk where he has to wear, like, weights on his hands so he can't kill people or he's not as fast, <laughs> so you're, like, slower and not as much of a of, of a lethal weapon. Kind of like the magnet boots in uh, Face Off. Yeah, yeah, the, ma- yeah, they're, the magnet They're too dangerous. They have to be... Uh, their feet have to be magnetically sealed to the ground yeah they're forced to walk very awkwardly uh for the rest of their lives i think that that's the more reasonable solution sending him away for 10 years is kind of nuts because he didn't instigate that bar fight at all question eight have tom jane and nicholas cage ever been in a movie together you said no but unfortunately could not come up with the name of a potential movie the answer actually is yes they have been in a movie together really? it's called uss indianapolis men of courage 
It's about the men on the Indianapolis, which is the ship that Quint was on in Jaws that he kind of tells the story about. It came out in 2016. It looks awful. It has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think anyone's ever seen it, although I think my sister did and was talking to me about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? This movie doesn't sound real. Um, I can't think of a better actor to honor the men of the USS Indianapolis <laughs> than Nicolas Cage. Yeah, he plays the, the captain, I believe. I would have I would have been willing to accept your made-up answers, too, because that's a very obscure movie. And here are some of the ones that I would have considered as acceptable answers for their made-up titles. Uh, I had Ghost Rider and Punisher versus the Third Reich, Cage, <laughs> Cage Jane, National Treasure 2, Runaway Constitution, The Man in the Bee Helmet, and Face Off 2, Trading Faces would have been acceptable answers. But you, unfortunately, I, I put you on the spot. And I understand that it's hard to come up with a Tom Jane, Nicolas Cage fusion. Well, I feel like a Nicolas Cage movie just turns into pretty much, there's really no subtlety to the titles. No. It's just like, this is what it is. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You, you just, I mean, in that regard, it's kind of nice because you know what you're getting, but you're right. There's no subtlety to a Nicolas Cage uh, movie <laughs> title. All right. Question nine. Within three movie deaths, how many movies has Sean Bean died in? You said nine, which was unfortunately way under what we were looking for. He has 25 cinematic movie deaths. Ow. Yeah. Sean Bean has been acting for over 34 years, so it only comes out to an average of 0.7 cinematic deaths a year, which isn't, you know, that aggressive, but it's still pretty high. Yeah, Um, it's rough. Yeah. Question 10. You almost got this right. You said William Hurt. It was John Hurt was the Hurt we were looking for. John Hurt has died 43 times in movies, which is nuts. Oh, my God. Well, he's been doing it for a long time. True. Uh, John Hurt has starred in over 120 movies, so his death percentage is only about 30%, which is actually... That's still insane. It is. It's (laughs) similar to Sean Bean's death percentage. So if Sean Bean is in 120 movies over his career, he might average out to be in that ballpark. I still think he could have died in The Martian. (laughs) Well, we we still have our theories that he does die in the deleted (laughs) scenes on the golf course after he's hit by a golf ball, but... (laughs) We can't actually prove that. Charlie and I still hold out that that's how he goes. And and in one of our previous podcasts, I mentioned I thought that Sean Bean was shot off screen at the end of National Treasure after they arrested him. So I think the numbers could be a little bit higher than they're letting on. Yeah, like it just seems like he would have died in National Treasure. Yeah, it's it's a very odd movie for him to survive. I mean, Silent Hill also is another odd movie that he survived. <laughs> But National Treasure, just you're like 100% sure he's going to die by the end of the movie because he's not a nice individual. He tries to kill them a number of times, which is pretty malicious. He, he also turns on them immediately. Oh, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, it's like, it was a mistake, man. That like, betrayal at the beginning is just awesome. Like, Nicolas Cage is like, oh, I just need a minute to figure this out. And he's like, I'm checking it from myself. And it's like, wait, what? Like, come on, man. He just needed like 30 seconds. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's very odd, but it's better than when National Treasure Two when Ed Harris well we like, ta- goes I, from helping them to be to turning on them like twenty times throughout I, it. I kind of like that though. It's it's insane, but I like the nuance of Ed Harris's character changing his his allegiance like every five minutes. He keeps like pulling <laughs> guns on them and then be like, "No, go ahead, I'll I'll stop the water." And it's like, what is this character? Who wrote yeah, it? Yeah, it it'd be like, okay, you're on our side now, but I mean. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years they revealed that his character was written by like an AI system that was just understanding the intricacies of human emotion because it is all <laughs> over the place and it does seem like a robot struggling with human emotion. 
you know what? It's an acting uh, class for sure on and Ed Harris's part because he goes through every emotion possible. Just a quick note to close out uh, question 10. Although John Hurt is tops, Sean Bean is actually not second on the list. Bella Lugosi at 36 movie deaths and then Vincent Price at 34 movie deaths are second and third respectively. Oh, I saw a Vincent Price movie. Oh, nice. Which one? Uh, Mask of the Red Death. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sean Bean comes in at fourth, though, at 25 deaths. And he will most likely climb that list before the end of his career because I, I believe he's the only one of the four to still be with us today, I think. I mean, I know John Hurt died recently. Bella Lugosi, I, th- I think, died a long time ago. And then Vincent Price, who I know was in some later movies like Edward Scissorhands, I believe, has uh, passed away also like 10 or 20 yeah, I, years I assumed ago. he was dead, but... I think so. I feel kind of bad if he's alive somewhere. Yeah, Sean Bean's the only one of those four, I, I think, who still can climb the list. Let's see how many you got right here, Charlie. Six out of ten, Charlie. You you kind of got tripped up towards the end. You you had a really strong uh, start. I think you got the first five correct and then ran into a trick question, which really isn't your fault, but uh, I'm making the question. Shook my confidence. Yeah, you could make that argument. And then you. Do I get a half a point for Nicolas Cage being called a lethal weapon? No, I gave you that question. You, you, got, oh, okay. you got the Con Air question right. You rebounded nicely after the Tom Jane question, got the Con Air question, but then missed uh, 8, 9, and 10, which was oh, the okay. uh, Tom Jane, Nicolas Cage question you missed. Then you missed the Sean Bean movie death question by like 10, which isn't your fault. <laughs> and then you you didn't get the John Hurt question because you came up with your broheem William Hurt instead. <laughs> Unfortunately, you sided with the wrong hurt and it cost you. <laughs> but hey, six out of 10 is pretty good for your first round. I think everyone averaged a six or a seven on their first round because I often have questions that can't be answered or are very hard to answer, as I mentioned. But luckily, there's no money involved. So that's my excuse. All right. Thank you all for joining us. This is Mandatory Reshoots, and this was our first retro review. We appreciate you stopping by to listen, and we will see you next time. Later.